0: Take your Bibles this morning and turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 11, if you would please. I've always thought it's a little presumptuous of us sometimes to uh, be preaching on a text and not having given a little thought of meditation before we actually go in and start talking about what it says. So I would like to read it with you as you follow along in uh, order to meditate on God's Word a little bit more thoroughly, and then when we come back to it in the message, we'll discuss it chapter 11 ecclesiastes cast thy bread upon the waters for thou shalt find it after many days give a portion to seven and also to eight for thou knowest not what evil shall be upon the earth if the clouds be full of rain they empty themselves upon the earth and if a tree fall toward the south or toward the north or in the place where a tree falleth there it shall be he that observeth the wind shall not sow And he that regardeth a cloud shall not reap, as thou knowest not what is the way of the Spirit, nor how the bones do grow in the womb of her that is with child. Even so thou knowest not the works of God who maketh all. In the morning sow thy seed, and in the evening withhold not thine hand, for thou knowest not whether shall prosper, either this or that, or whether they both shall be alike good. Truly, the light is sweet, and a pleasant thing it is for the eyes to behold the sun. But if a man live many years and rejoice in them all, yet let him remember the days of darkness, for they shall be many, all that cometh is vanity. Rejoice, O young man, in thy youth, and let thy heart cheer thee in the days of thy youth, and walk in the ways of thine heart, and in the sight of thine eyes. But know thou that for all these things God will bring thee into judgment. Therefore remove sorrow from thy heart, and pull away evil from thy flesh, for childhood and youth are vanity. Remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. While the sun, or the light, or the moon, or the stars, Be not darkened, nor the clouds return after the rain. In the day when the keepers of the house shall tremble, and the strong men shall bow themselves, the grinders shall cease because they are few, and those that look out the windows be darkened. And the doors shall be shut in the streets when the sound of the grinding is low, and he shall rise up at the voice of the bird and all the daughters of music shall be brought low. Also when they shall be afraid of that which is high, and fear shall be in the way, and the almond tree shall flourish, and the grasshopper shall be a burden, and desire shall fail. Because man goeth to his long home, and the mourners go about the streets. Or Or ever the silver cord be loosed, or the golden bowl be broken, or the pitcher be broken at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the cistern. Then shall the dust return to the earth as it was, and the Spirit shall return unto God who gave it. Vanity of vanities, saith the preacher, all is vanity. And moreover, because the preacher was wise, he still taught the people knowledge, yea, He gave good heed, and sought out, and set in order many proverbs. Preachers sought to find out acceptable words, and that which was written was upright, even words of truth. The words of the wise are as goads, and as nails fastened by the masters of assemblies, which are given from one shepherd. And further, by these, my son, be admonished, of making many books there is no end. And much study is a weariness of the flesh. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. The outline we're using this morning is the same one we had two weeks ago, so if you have that in your Bible, please take it out. If you do not, uh, for whatever reason, we have some more copies to pass out here so that you're able to get one. However, we won't be using it for a little bit, so relax about that. One of my night vigils earlier this week, the expression, spitting into the wind, came to my mind. Yeah, kind of a grotesque phrase, isn't it? Spitting into the wind. Uh, a lot of times little phrases like that have their derivation in the Bible, like itching ears, for example. And I didn't think this one was in the Bible, but I decided that I would type it into a concordance and see, see for sure. Uh, but when I got my little phone out and typed it in, I made a mistake. And I typed it into a Google search instead of a Bible search. And amazingly enough a sermon came up entitled spitting into the wind by a very popular uh, preacher of of my generation which i won't name because there's some other things i don't want to talk about with regard to him you don't need to know who he is but it so happened that he was uh, a preacher who was in his prime when i was just approaching my prime and who is now 86 years old and was a sermon from this past january on Ecclesiastes. And so I enjoyed listening to some of that as he talked about Ecclesiastes, the same great pulpiteer that he always has been, but uh, something in his voice gave away that he wasn't as young as he used to be. I haven't figured out what it was in his voice, but there was something in his voice that gave it away. God is good and God is sovereign. And uh, as we look at these verses more particularly today, uh, I want you to look at chapter 11, and we're not going to talk in detail about these verses because we did last time, but I, one of the big emphases that I want to communicate today as far as my own personal experience is concerned in terms of applying scriptural principle and growing old is that God is sovereign. Sovereign. Why should this great preacher of this past generation, who's now 86 years old, stand behind a pulpit and be relatively healthy while I stand behind a pulpit and have Parkinson's disease and bone cancer? You know, we're tempted to ask those questions. But I want to tell you frankly, those kind of questions have never come to my mind really. Uh, It's not that I'm super spiritual or anything. Maybe I'm just callous. But various things that have come my way through my life, I realize, are because of the sovereignty of God. I see people sometimes get very angry around me because something happened that uh, caused them some distress or trouble. For example, maybe someone who's late to an appointment and they get all the red lights and they get mad about that. It's the sovereignty of God. Don't get mad at the city. Don't get mad at the stoplights. Don't beat up the steering wheel of the car. It's the sovereignty of God. And when you start doing those things, you're just rebelling against God. That's all you're doing. He is in control. And he knows what he's doing. That's why these verses are here in chapter 11. They're saying, listen, you're not going to figure out the whys and hows and whats of what God is doing. You're not going to figure out all of his interaction and reasoning and why this happened and that happened. But remember, everything does happen at God's hand. And so it talks about some illustrations here and gives some instructions about how you should behave yourself in the midst of this kind of an environment. When God has chosen not to reveal to you exactly how everything is going to go and so in verse one it tells us you know take every opportunity verse two a little bit differently uh, take one more opportunity when you've taken all you know of and don't get frustrated about the rain and don't get frustrated about which way the tree fell God took care of those things just do the best you can to maximize what you can from the situations you find yourself in but verse five is the clencher as thou, right kind in the middle here, as thou knowest not what is the way of the spirit, nor how the bones do grow, spirit could be wind there in reference to the sowing and reaping in the previous verse, the concept of spirit and wind are very close, the uh, same words used for both translations, as thou knowest not what is the way of the spirit or wind, nor how the bones do grow in the womb of her that is with child, even so, thou knowest not the works of God who maketh all. When I think about the bones of a child growing in the womb, I just marvel. I just marvel. I suppose medical science can explain a lot of things about that. But for most of it, it's, it's us, it's just a thing to marvel about. We, we don't have much technical information to be able to explain it all or grasp it all. But it's terribly complex. And God takes care of it. And you know, there are issues and problems and births and so forth. There's a lot of healthy children that come through that process very much intact and secure. And we don't know how it all works out, but God does. Even so, thou knowest not the works of God who maketh all. And so, verse 6 sow thy seed in the morning don't wait on perfect weather the morning's usually the calmest part of the day so sow thy seed in the morning and if you have to work hard harvesting the seed in the evening well then get out there and go to work just do the best you can put your elbow grease into it truly the light is sweet and the pleasant thing it is for the eyes to behold the sun i uh laid in my family room this morning and watched the sun come up here and there beautiful thing to see a new day I understand that people who live in certain regions of the world up in the far north who have night for extended periods of time have a great deal of problems dealing with that in some cases I understand I've never documented it but I understand that the alcoholism rate in some of those regions is very very high because of the prolonged nights light is refreshing God says, enjoy each new day. Enjoy each new Truly the light is sweet when the sun rises in the morning. It's a pleasant thing for the eyes to behold the sun coming up in the morning is, is the idea here. But if a man live many years and rejoice in them all, yet let him remember the days of darkness, for they shall be many. This is a sin-cursed world. This is a world that has been overcome by the curse on Adam and is under a bondage we're told in Romans. And there are many, many sorrowful days. Uh, Let those days sober you. Let those days balance you. Let those days remind you that God is teaching, God is working. From a man's point of view, of course, all is vanity. You know how we say sometimes, oh, how true it is. I don't know how I would have gotten through this without God. How do people get through this without God? I don't know. When great tragedies and unfavorable circumstances come into our lives, we wonder, you know, how, how, how and we know, we know God's in control. But what do people, I don't know. It's very, very hard. To them, life, and especially as we come to chapter 12 here, where it's going to close in more closely on the end of life and death people make up all kinds of fanciful stories about the afterlife but they don't really know because nobody has come back and told them so except one and that's the Lord Jesus Christ and that's the story that's recorded in this book and that's a reliable trustworthy story Rejoice then, O young man, in thy youth, and let thy heart cheer thee in the days of thy youth, and walk in the ways of thine heart, and in the sight of thine eyes, but know thou that for all these things God will bring thee into judgment. That sounds a little bit like a contradiction there, because we learned from Jeremiah that the heart is deceitful and what? Desperately wicked. And so as some people look to the verse, ah, contradiction, walk in the ways of thy heart. If you walk in the ways of thine heart, then you will fall and fail. Well, in a certain sense, that's true if it's the fallen heart within us. But uh, the Bible tells us in Psalms, if you delight in the Lord, he will fulfill the desires of thine heart. And I don't think that means that if you walk with the Lord, he'll fulfill all your sinful desires. Our heart is there. Are different sides to our heart, okay? Our heart is desperately wicked in that our nature is a sin nature, and it's cursed. And there's no hope of salvation within us ourselves. We are sinners, and we will choose to be sinners. But yet, as we go through life, and especially as we go through life knowing the Lord, we have inspirations, goals, thoughts, desires that are are pleasing. They're positive. And uh, it says, you know, don't, don't mope. Uh, uh, rejoice in the days of thy youth, O young man. Uh, walk in the ways of thine heart and in the sight of thine eyes. But know thou this, for all these things God will bring thee into judgment. How I use my life. These are end of life verses here. A lot of people don't like to talk about end of life. They don't want to face end of life. They don't ever want to think that uh, it's coming. I don't care how old you are, it is coming. And praise God, I, I hope it's a long way off. The patient said to the doctor, Doctor, it's no fun dying. And he replied back, It's no fun dying early either. For some of us, death may be way up in the 80s and 90s. For others of us, it may be tomorrow or today. And we will be held accountable to the Lord for those things which we have done. Now, praise the Lord for, for knowing the Savior, we're not going to be held responsible for our sins because Jesus has taken that responsibility and paid the penalty for those sins and we stand before the Lord only to receive reward and perhaps be shamed and discouraged that some of the things that we thought were great things for the Lord weren't so great as we thought because we did them with the wrong motives and they don't bring a reward but the great white throne which will happen at the end of the millennial kingdom recorded in Revelation chapter 21 there will be a, a judgment out of the books according to the deeds they have done, which will condemn them because their righteousness is filthy rags before God without the shed blood of Christ to cover it. So we are all held accountable in one way or another to our Lord. It, it talks in John, there's a, a real real delicate balance here uh, that, that different students of the Bible have uh, worried and fought and argued about for a long time as far as the judgment seat of christ is concerned and uh, some has seen some kind of a purgatory there even some evangelicals have seen some kind of a purgatory there's no purgatory there uh, there's loss of reward because we haven't done things for the lord the way we perhaps should have but on the other hand we're told in first john that we don't want to be ashamed at his coming you know you can be ashamed at his coming when you see him because you've not lived for him. Therefore, remove sorrow from thy heart and put away evil from thy flesh, for childhood and youth are vanity. Those seasons of the years, seasons of life pass by. But don't, 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 be, don't be always down in the dumps and, and yet put away the wickedness the evil here is not so much calamity over which you have no control which was mentioned in previous verse same word though context always determines meanings of words as you choose different definitions out of a dictionary you know you look up a word and they'll say definition number one and two and three and number one is the primary and two is the secondary but there are different contexts that bring out different nuances of the root meaning of the word and so it turns then to remember now thy creator. You know, back on the previous page, it told us to remember the days of darkness. But now it tells us to remember thy creator in the days of thy youth. We're, we're going to talk about this a little bit later. made my head of myself a little bit. But you're as young today as you'll ever be. Thought about that? You say, oh, it says days of thy youth. I'm not young anymore. Oh, you're as young as you're ever going to be. Remember the Creator, capital C. He's the one that made you the way you are. He fashioned you. He knows how your mind works and how your body works and how it all fits together and how it all interacts to make a whole person. Remember Him. And uh, The word often in the Old Testament for remember has the idea of remembering not just in the sense of mental comprehension of bringing into your mind, but as it says in Genesis, God remembered Noah in the ark. When he remembered him, he came into his mind. He came into his mind and the result was deliverance. God delivered the ark out of that flood and those people out of that watery death that the whole world faced. so remember is not only a concept of bringing to mind but a concept of taking action taking action in the days of your youth while the evil days come not uh, the evil days here is a reference in context to the days of growing old the days when your body starts to deteriorate and your problems start to multiply and one condition it comes on on top of another one until finally the combination of them all puts you down. The time of death. The evil days come not, while the evil, evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh when thou shalt say I have no pleasure in them. There comes a time in many people's lives who are not taken by a sudden accident or sudden or or some sudden disease that kills where gradually their life just deteriorates and they have less and less resources all the time. What's God's purpose in that? I don't know. I know I could say there are many that I could suggest. I don't know exactly what they may be, we, we perhaps can discern for each one of us individually in our prayer life and relationship to the Lord uh, what he's trying to do in our lives by developing that kind of a scenario. Why should that preacher, 86 years old, seem to still be in his prime except his voice sounds a little bit weak and, and I, 72 years old, am shaky and cripply? I don't know. But God does, and he's accomplished his will through those things. So there follows here <laughs> a, a beautiful, a beautiful description of getting old. Can you imagine such a thing? Isn't that an oxymoron? How could you have a beautiful description of getting old? This is this is just in the Bible. Many consider this one of the classic poetic sections of the Bible. How it describes here getting old. Listen to it. Think with me about it. While the sun or the light, or the moon, or the stars be not darkened. Now, we said last week, you know, some of the idioms in our language don't necessarily relate to what they mean, like raining cats and dogs. We don't actually see cats and dogs comes down. Uh, there may be some of that in this verse, and the commentators actually argue a lot about what this is referenced to. But apparently, the uh, conclusion that seems to be the most most applicable, most popular, is that as their mental faculties begin to diminish and decrease, as they begin to lose clarity of thought, clarity of reason, uh, understanding, they mentally begin to decline. Nor the clouds return after the rain. It's refreshing after the rain. I Actually, I saw this happen yesterday afternoon. We had a A grand birthday party for Grandma Walter, 90 years old. And uh, one of the greatest things of all that is to have a picture of the entire family with Grandma Walter in the middle. And so there was a mob of people around Grandma Walter yesterday afternoon, but there was a storm cloud overhead, and it really wasn't threatening rain quite, but it sure was taking care of getting the light condition right for taking the pictures. It was kind of on and off because the sun had come out and go away. But there was a section of the sky that was just blue, and there was some blue sky mixed into that dark, dark sky. But as you grow older, figuratively speaking, you see less blue sky. And when the clouds come and the storm is over, it's still cloudy. I thought of the phrase that they sometimes use for athletes no pain, no gain. Have you heard that? Well, when you get older, it's no pain with gain. More pain, no gain, right? More pain, no gain. You, uh, I've, I've been guilty of this. You think, well, if I exercise real hard, I'll build myself up, and I'll be stronger. And you exercise real hard, and the next day you stay in bed all day. <laughs> One of my points was you can always do more than you think you can, and I heard a rumor back through the back door from somebody who said, I tried that, and the next day I was sick. <laughs> I guess you have to use judgment, don't you? Yeah, it, uh, the clouds, it rains, but the clouds are still there. It's not like when you get sick when you're a young person and you know you have the flu and you feel so miserable that you wish you could die in a sense, but you know in a few days or a week or maybe it's a day, 24-hour flu, you'll be better again. But when you get old, you don't get better again. And it's a different scenario. In the day when the keepers of the house shall tremble. You know, every household has to have a a maintenance man. And uh, this is a picture of the the arms here. The picture of the arms, the keeper of the house. The keepers of the house, plural. The hands that do the repair. The analogy here is to a, a house breaking down in some of these figures and uh, you just can't do what you used to do i had a stair railing going into my basement that had uh, three screws through it to secure the rail and they had broken loose and that railing was kind of loose and was going to cause more trouble every day if i didn't get it fixed my grandson was there this week and i made sure i had the proper uh, molly kind of things to fix it and he fixed my rail for me And and that was great but the keepers here They could have got the job done, but it would have been kind of tedious and difficult because the dexterity and the strength is not what it used to be, but the youth of a grandson got the job done. The keepers, the keepers of the house shall tremble, and the strong men shall bow themselves. Posture isn't always so wrecked as it once was. The grinders cease because they are few. I used to wonder when I went to the dentist, and he'd always fill one or two fillings in my molars back here. You know, you've got two uppers and two lowers on the right side and two uppers and two lowers on the left side. I always wondered where this was all going to end because every time I went to the dentist, it seems like he put a filling in one of those molars. And I thought to myself, how long is this going to go on because there's not going to be any tooth left. It's all going to be filling. Well, then one day he says, well, I think we're going to have to pull this one. Okay. Uh, pull one. That disables one pair of molars, okay, because you've got to have two to chew. So you're down 25%. So more time goes on, and he pulls another one. And pretty soon, your chew, your chew teeth are just about gone. <laughs> It's what it says here. It says, the grinders cease because they are few. I've got one set of grinders left, and I'm trying with all my energy to keep that one set going because that's all i got left to chew with. The rest are either gone or the opposite's gone. They cease because they are few. Start losing our teeth. It says here, and those that look out the windows be darkened. The eyes grow dim. You need more light to see what you're doing. I marvel watching Grandma Walter as she meticulously goes over her checkbook. Stephen Salter, he can, he can, he can see this, and man, any of you can see this if you've ever helped an elderly parent or anyone. Uh, she, she has always been a stickler about balancing her checkbook, and uh, so at first she was. She, she had good eyes her whole life. She never wore glasses her whole life. Well, then she started wearing reading glasses. Then she started wearing reading glasses and using a magnifying glass. And then she used reading glasses with a magnifying glass and got a bright light and put right over her checkbook. And finally, at her complaining last week that she was having trouble balancing her checkbook because she couldn't see it. She's got cataracts that need to be taken care of. The windows. Grow dim, darkness, cataracts, and the doors shall be shut in the streets. Some people think that's hearing. Some people think that the the idea here is that the teeth are gone, so the and the doors are shut to the streets. The sound of grinding is low. You don't hear them chewing much in this day, especially or in our day. You know. if you're going to be healthy, you should eat some raw foods, like carrots and celery and raw vegetables like that. And when you eat a raw carrot, you know, you hear, you hear it crunching as you chew it up. Well, you don't hear anything crunching much in an old person because they got to be fed very soft foods because they can't chew it up anymore. And he shall rise up with the voice of the bird. That one's pretty simple to understand, isn't it? And all the daughters of music shall be brought low. I—it's kind—it's kind of interesting. I—I uh, I have thought sometimes that uh, I lay down to take a nap, and I never went to sleep. I could still hear everything that was going on around me. I was conscious of everything that was going around me, and I thought I—you know—I'm I'm not asleep. But on the other hand, if somebody would interrupt me during that time, I would find out. Boy, it's awful hard to get up. I, something was. Some, I seem to be asleep. You sleep so light that you almost are asleep, and yet are hearing what is going on around you. It's not a not a deep sleep anymore. You have a lot of light sleep. The daughters of music is the features of music that make it enjoyable: the high pitches, the low pitches, the variations, the the character of the music is harder to discern and a a person's older person's world begins to just close in on them i i've never experienced this any more than i have recently in watching this aging process grandma's probably listening so i really better be careful (laughs) but really this is nothing that personal when, when your eyes start going out and your ears start going out, your world starts caving in. And you can't understand everything that's taking place around you. you and therefore, you cannot process it. And you become self-conscious about uh, what you're saying or what you're hearing because you're not sure you're hearing everything or that you're hearing it right. And you might say something wrong because you didn't hear it right and so you don't know what to say, your world starts collapsing around you. And, and the next thing that happens is it affects your mind. Growing old is no fun, they say, huh? No? And when they shall be afraid of that which is high, positions and strengths that they had in life that now are scary being in high places some interpret this verse even in the sense of walking across the room because for an elderly person for an elderly person who uh, has aging bones to get from here to there the distance from here to there is quite lengthy and could be quite harmful I mean a little kid falls over and crawls around and seems like his bones are made out of rubber. But an old person, when they walk across the room, knows they better be careful because if they fall, they may break their hip. And if you break your hip as an old person, uh, it's not too good. You can go from being relatively healthy to being on your deathbed in a matter of days. And fears shall be in the way. This is the world closing in on you. You, you, you can't comprehend things the way you used to, so uh, you, you have more fears. And the almond tree shall flourish. Uh, that's a picture of your white hair as you grow older. The almond tree blossoms. It puts out white blossoms. And the grasshopper shall be a burden. You know, grasshoppers aren't really made to walk. I don't know if you've ever watched a grasshopper. Uh, Usually kids one time or another find a grasshopper and get a chance to watch him. Grasshoppers hop amazingly. You know, they've got to snap and, boy, they really can move, especially try to catch one. But if you ever watch them try to crawl on the ground, they are the most awkward walkers of anybody you could possibly imagine. And, and when you grow older, your step becomes awkward. It becomes difficult. Walking becomes a burden. Getting from one place to another, which used to be thoughtless, now takes a great deal of energy and thought to make sure that I get from point A to point B without falling down. Desire, Desire shall fail. That's a very intimate, personal issue. But uh, your physical desires, sexual desires, they wane. And uh, that's a hard thing. Why? Because man goeth to his long home. That's kind of sad to think of the grave as your home. But that's all that the worldly person has to look forward to. It's Ecclesiastes looks at it from the, from the sense of the world. The patient said to the doctor, Doctor, I, I just want to die. And he says, well, that's, that's just fine. You just want to lay around in a coffin all day and have nothing to do. That's a very poor portrayal of death. Because when we die, we don't cease to exist. But our spirit, it goes on. We'll come to that. And the mourners go about in the streets. Or ever the silver cord be loose, that's the spinal cord, which apparently they tell me has kind of a whitish, silverish look if you would uh, dissect a person. And uh, it's the central nervous cord that goes down your back through your spine. And if it's broken, if a person has a broken neck or something happens to that spinal column, it will disable you and kill you. Or the golden bowl be broken. The golden bowl is a picture of your brain, brain problems. Or the pitcher be broken of the fountain. That's a picture of your heart. That is the pump that pumps your blood through your body. Or the wheel be broken in the cistern. That's a picture of your circulatory system. Boy, sure, a lot of things that could go wrong, aren't there? <laughs> Has he missed anything that couldn't go wrong? Pretty extensive. Then all these things pile up on you. Shall the dust return to the earth as it was, and the spirit shall return unto God, who gave it? Hey, the spirit shall return unto God, who gave it. Ah. Uh, you're going to be held accountable. Death isn't the end. We've said this over and over, and I I just would certainly hope that 98% of you would know this, but death is not a cessation to exist. Death is a separation. The body without the spirit is dead, said James. And that means that uh, when death occurs, the immaterial or spirit part of man leaves him, and the body is left here in the dirt and the person in their immaterial form goes to be with the Lord. To die is to be with the Lord. And this is an Old Testament uh, glimpse at that New Testament truth which is more clearly stated. So then shall the dust return to the earth as it was and the Spirit shall return unto God who gave it. Vanity of vanity, saith the preacher, all is vanity. Nonetheless, He goes on to write, and he writes now as a uh, wise man of the Lord. These verses can sound a little bit strange for Solomon writing them about himself, but he's writing them about not just himself, but about the position he holds as a person uh, writing down words that he's carefully searched out, which God will then choose to preserve or inspire as they're recorded and be included in the Holy Scriptures. Moreover, because the preacher was wise, he still, or he also, taught the people knowledge. Yea, he gave good heed, and sought out and set in order many proverbs. In the midst of the world's uncertainty, in the midst of the world's uh, lack of insight of where to go and what's going on, there are words of inspiration that God has given to give direction in that kind of world where you just don't know everything God's doing. Yea, he gave good heed and sought out and set in order many proverbs. The preacher sought to find out acceptable words, and that which was written was upright, even words of truth. The words of the wise are as goads. A goad is a stick that's sharply pointed that uh, a shepherd would use to get, get a sheep moving when he doesn't want to move. A goad in the rump will prick him a little bit, hurt a little bit, and he'll make up his mind, maybe he better move. And we should be open to being goaded when we come to church. Because sometimes when the word is preached and taught, it's going to be something to get us off dead center or get us moving because we're not moving where we should be. We're not doing what we should be doing. We're not following through what we know to follow through. It's a goad. God uses goads on us. Or it's as a nail. A nail is something that holds that tent up. It's security. It's certainty. It's something you can count on. That's the word of God. The words of the wise are as goads and as nails fastened by the masters of assemblies which are given from one shepherd. Who's that shepherd? the Lord Jesus Christ. And further, by these, my son, be admonished of making many books, there is no end, and much study is a weariness of the flesh. So we shouldn't read any other books? Well, not if you're not reading this book. This is the prime book. This is a book that has the answer. You can look and look and look and read and read and read, and you will not find the answers to life in any other book. Save this book which is God's word it's God's word so it says here verse 13 let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter fear God and keep his commandments for this is the whole duty of man fear God is put your faith in God in the Old Testament uh, atmosphere to get saved you put your faith your God you feared God you, you feared him and you listened to his word as it was revealed and now after further revelation uh, we specifically know of Christ's death and we pray in the name of Jesus Christ it's been given to us these people prayed to God accepting his word totally even as we do as we trust Christ as our savior fear God first that's be saved keeping his commandments will do you no good if you don't know him so be saved fear God and keep his commandments for this is the whole duty of man I, I was uh, impressed with a verse of Scripture. Turn to Ephesians chapter 2. I, as a young Christian, growing in the Lord, uh, ran across this section of Scripture, and it, everybody had a life verse. This was my life verses. Ephesians 2, 1 to 10. And I'm not going to preach another sermon on these. But I had heard the phrase, the verse 8, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Now we use that when we're witnessing to people quite quite frequently, that uh, it's by faith that we receive Christ, not of works. But please don't leave out the next verse. Because what does it say? It says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, Which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. When we get saved and know the Lord as our Savior and seek to serve Him and do His will, then He guides us. And in fact, we were saved specifically so that He could use us to serve Him and do His works. For God shall bring, remember, in all the vanities that can appear to be so vain in life, remember in the end, for God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. <clears throat> now, I was supposed to get to that point in my sermon about 20 minutes ago. <laughs> so take your outline now and turn with me and uh, we'll just answer a couple of these further questions. We we looked at number one and number two last time. These are kind of a blend of, of my experience and what I think is biblical, biblically advocated. And we don't normally take... experience and look in the Bible for justification for it. But uh, as you grow older in the faith and you become more familiar with your word, you have experiences and they bring to mind certain texts of the Bible. And so number three here is where we'll start for a few moments. Think creatively. Consider diverse alternatives. By the way, that very clearly is Ecclesiastes 11.2 that we've already talked about, is that You know, you may not be able to do all the things you used to do, but you may be able to do some things you always wanted to do or never thought you could do with the limits that are put upon you by your illness or by your weakness. And then number four, do not underestimate even the smallest amount of activity. Remember, Jesus called them together. says there were 4,000 men beside the women and children And he took a few little fishes and uh, seven loaves of bread and fed the whole multitude. Little is much when God is in it. You know, an individual in one act of kindness can change the eternal world for someone else. And we shouldn't discard the importance of little things. When I, before I started taking medication in 2016, got to the point where I was almost totally invalid, I determined that I was going to do at least one thing a day. If I could get one thing a day done, at least I'd get seven things a week done and 30 things things a month done. And so I started setting my goals to do one thing a, a day. Oh, it turned out I got more than one thing done. But even little things count. My strength is made perfect in weakness, the Lord tells us in his word. And so also, those who have been faithful in very little have then given authority over ten cities. By the way, many students of the word, I'm I'm reading a new book I found. It's very interesting for another subject another day. But uh, he, he sees this as a because the reward is 10 cities here he sees this as something that Christians by their faithfulness in serving the Lord in this life as we move into the millennial kingdom will be rewarded by rulership we're going to rule with him reign and, and uh, serve with Christ the number of cities shows a reward for those who are faithful and little he get multiplied responsibility in the millennial kingdom particularly number five when the Bible directs His exhortations to the youthful. Remember, you're younger today than you will ever be. You're younger today than you'll ever be. So don't put off for tomorrow what you can do today. Rejoice, O young man, in thy youth. We're all in our youth today. And we ought to use what strength we have today to rejoice and take to heart this this admonition which which directly... In verse 9, it applies to young men, particularly of age, but to all of us in the sense that we're all younger than we ever will be. Number six, always expect to be better tomorrow, but plan on being worse. There's a verse in Luke, it may not have been, uh, the principle of the verse is, the context of it isn't necessarily this context, but the principle of the verse applies to this. If so, it's For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first, and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it? Now here's an individual. They're thinking about the future, about building a tower. And they've got this tower envisioned in their mind. And they, they have dreamed and thought and, and directed how they're going to build it, what's going to look like and what stone they're going to use and how they're going to make it really nice and everything. But... They, they aren't wise unless they count the cost of that building to see if they're going to be able to complete it. Now, this here is in discipleship. That's the immediate context. But in the context we're applying it, it's a person who has a, a, a goal, just like discipleship, just like following the Lord is a goal. It's, it, it's just, it applies here. It's just a little different framework where you're looking ahead to do something, count, but you've got to count the cost, prepare ahead. People who like to prepare for death. I mean, set up your goals. Set out to do something that you you should do and the Lord wants you to do. But nonetheless, you should have a will and you should be planning in the event you should die. That's part of the cost of life. Number seven, always stay as active as you can mentally, physically, emotionally. And purposefully it's interesting to read about different people in the Bible God did different things with different people do you know at the end of Moses life it says this and Moses was 120 years old when he died his eye was not dim nor his natural force abated that's amazing he didn't go through this process for some reason God preserved him right to the grave. That's amazing. But on the other hand, we have Simeon and uh, Anna in the temple, two elderly people. And we read about them, we have the impression that they were very limited by their age to the point that their main ministry was to pray because it didn't require much physical activity. And so they prayed, and they had a specially close relationship to the Lord such that he revealed unto them special things, namely who the Savior was that was coming. Stay active. Number eight, strategize. Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Oh, be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. And I've shared this several times before. In my particular illness, I have on times and off times. And so I've got to plan my day so that I can do things that I can do during the off times and other things that I can do during the on times when I have near, nearly full capacity. Remember, there is great value in your just being there. This, this, this uh, you really need to think about this. There is great value in just being there. Sometimes as these things creep upon you, you feel like you're, you're worthless, you can't do anything. But there's great value in just being there. And I use an example here from my own childhood. I had a a great aunt and a great uncle. Uncle Alan and Aunt Bessie. (laughs) They had one son, and he lived out of the area. And due to some problems in the family, uh, they didn't get together much at the holidays. So every Christmas morning, and usually Christmas Day, Uncle Alan and Aunt Bessie would come to our house and have breakfast, or as as he got older, it was dinner with us. And I don't know much about Uncle Alan. I don't know what kind of a man he was too much. I, 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 he used to play bear with me. <laughs> I remember that. He used to get down on the floor and growl at me and hide behind the couch and come out. In his old age, he could still do that. But it was a stabilizing factor just that he was there, part of our family, part of my heritage, someone I knew that cared about me, someone I knew who was a friend, Someone I knew who would talk with me and spend uh, the precious moments of a holiday with me, which create fond memories. And I have many different memories about Uncle Alan and Aunt Bessie. They were very special to me. They're great, great uncle and great aunt. The glory of a young men is their strength, and the beauty of old men is the gray hair. Number 10, accept health graciously, give help especially. Be humble. Be humble. You know, some people, when they, now sometimes it's a mental condition, okay. Sometimes, when people have Alzheimer's and dementia, uh, I, I don't know how that all works, but some strange things happen to their minds. And uh, we're all accountable for what we do and say, but amazingly enough, I'm glad that we have assurance of salvation in Christ because when we're out of it mentally and we do and say things that we wouldn't have done and said when we were in with it mentally, It's under the blood. It's under the blood. But otherwise, be be gracious. Be especially helpful where you can be helpful. Be humble. Be humble. It says a man's pride shall bring him low, but honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness, of mind, meekness, long suffering. But he gave more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. I've always been proud of my handwriting. I was a good student when it came to handwriting, so I've always had very good handwriting, uh, and people would tell me that, so I got a big head about it. Guess what Parkinson's did to my handwriting? I went to an ordination council several years ago at a local church. And at the end of an ordination council, they have an ordination certificate that the uh, pastor puts on his wall usually. And all the people that are on the ordination council sign that sheet of paper. Well, I was not having a particularly good day that day. And I didn't have a steady hand. Uh, at my best, I can almost write my signature normally. But at my worst, I can hardly write my signature. And the pastor there wanted me to sign that document. And I said, I'll scribble all over it. <laughs> he insisted. He wanted my signature on that ordination certificate. So I finally gave in, and I'm embarrassed, as I think about it, what came off my pen and ended up on this certificate for him. But I guess he'll remember me. And, uh, and it humbled me. It humbled me. But, you know... I, I guess that hasn't bothered me a whole lot uh, Mrs. Vanderwerf can tell you about this there was about a year when I couldn't feed myself and so my wife would feed me and I was sitting downstairs one Sunday at lunch and I was here and my wife was here and there was another individual here Mrs. Vanderwerf was over here across the table and my wife was feeding me, you remember this? Nope, she doesn't, you maybe will when I get done And my wife was real involved in this conversation with the lady next to her. And you've seen this happen if you've ever fed a baby. She took a spoon of food and held it up in front of me like this. And I was... And she started laughing at me. And I started laughing with you. It was funny. But you know, there's some people that would think that's terribly humiliating. I I had a deacon one time feed me a bowl of ice cream. Now, I don't know if that was humility or lust uh, that I bow to that extent to, to get the ice cream, but Mr. Nero fed me a dish of ice cream one time when they had ice cream after church. Praise the Lord for deacons who are willing to feed their pastors ice cream. I went to that same—I don't know if it was that same ordination council or another one—and when I didn't have someone with me to help me, I—I I ate with my fingers. I ate my salad with my fingers. People are people are so kind when you're among friends, and uh, the Lord humbles us in those kinds of circumstances. Be humble, have a grateful spirit. Number twelve, you may be able to be a blessing through others. The Apostle Paul in prison, you know, he sent messengers everywhere. He sent letters everywhere. He He did all he could, and he was contained within a house prison and couldn't get out and do anything. But he had friends around him who were his emissaries and who did things to help him, and he blessed people even in the midst of his incarceration. Some years ago, another aunt, Aunt Clara, who was Aunt Bessie's sister, great aunt, uh, she would come to our house on Christmas Day too because her family of seven or eight children all got together on Christmas Eve, So she could come to our house on Christmas Day. And she always brought me a tin of aniseed cookies on Christmas Day. You all know what aniseed cookies are? Anybody know? A few? You don't know? Well, aniseed is a certain kind of a spice. It gives the cookie a certain distinct, different flavor. And she'd always bring me a small tin of aniseed cookies. And uh, I really appreciate it. The cookie very simple. It was just kind of a flat dough cookie. And uh, I look forward to that. Well, she was growing older and approaching death. We went to visit her one fall on uh, an October day, and the leaves were falling down from the trees. And she looked out the window, and she says, I'm one of those leaves out there falling out of the trees. And she died in October, November. Uh, So I thought, well, no more aniseed cookies. And lo and behold, when Christmas came, a tin of aniseed cookies showed up at my house because her daughter had the foresight while she was on her deathbed to in her name and her presence bake aniseed cookies and freeze them so that I could have my aniseed cookies at Christmas. And her daughter became the vehicle of her love and grace. You can often accomplish things with the help of others. Make your life as joyful and full as you can. We like to eat breakfast at different places in our house, whether it's downstairs or upstairs or out in the backyard or wherever it is. But the older you go, the less strength you have. Some days you just eat it right there by the refrigerator because you don't want to carry it down the basement porch. We consciously are aware of what the future holds in the hereafter. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. I was listening to to some hymns yesterday. Uh, I hesitate to say this, but my mother had a favorite, kind of a favorite, hymn singer. His name was Tennessee Ernie Ford. Any of you know Tennessee Ernie Ford? Now, his show was very questionable but at the end of his show he always sang a hymn he had a beautiful deep bass voice and my memories of a childhood are hearing my mother play this record of his singing you can find him on YouTube some of, it, some, some of it's a little bit off but a lot of it is, is just good gospel songs and uh, he has a beautiful deep voice he sings a song that says, come on down, come on down. And I thought, I, <laughs> I laid in bed just said, oh, come on down, Lord, come on down, I'm ready. What a wonderful thought. And the way it goes, you know, the storehouse is full, Lord, you've blessed us to overabundance. Now, there's one thing we're lacking, come on down and take us back to heaven with you. That was certainly a picture of our society today. We were so blessed, but the great thing is to be in the presence of the Lord. Come on down, Lord. Look at the future, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing to the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm going to skip one and come back. 16, keep your eyes on our lively hope. Stephen preached on this a few months ago. And I thought he did a wonderful job. Go back and look up that sermon as he talked about our inheritance, which is incorruptible undefiled, fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. How many more descriptions can you pile up on that? Wonderful things await us in our arrival in heaven. But last of all, I want to go back to where I started. The greatest comfort, I think, is in the sovereignty of God. God is in control. You will age and experience the death process in a special way that God has prepared for just you. For some it will be slow, for some it will be quick. But God is sovereign. God is sovereign and I, uh, I quote this verse so much, especially when visiting with people who are facing death. Romans chapter 8, verse 28, look at it in your outline. I, 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 I feel bad sometimes because it it, it, it's so common, and it becomes kind of just kind of glib, but it, it's, it's not glib. It's, it's, it's the guts of the whole thing. For we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did for foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. For we all know that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord. That's, don't let that become a cliche. That is an amazing truth. That will carry you through a lot of troubles in life where you can't seem to come up with any other verse that applies. Or you're too sick to try to come up with any other verse that applies. That really covers the gamut. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God. And of course, That's only possible through the death of Jesus Christ. As I was meditating on my message this morning, as Stephen was finishing Bible Hour, this music came on uh, right after the Bible Hour over the PA system. Rejoice in the Lord, he makes no mistakes. It goes like this. God never moves without purpose or plan. When trying his servant or molding a man, give thanks to the Lord, though your testing seems long. In darkness, he giveth a song. Oh, rejoice in the Lord, he makes no mistake. He knoweth the end of each path that I take. For when I am tried and purified, I shall come forth as gold. If I understand right, correct me if I'm wrong, Stephen. He wrote this song when he lost his eye to cancer, didn't he? Many, many years ago when he was a young man, Ron Hamilton lost his eye to cancer, and he wrote this song. Rejoice, or God never moves without purpose or plan. When trying his servant and molding a man. Give thanks to the Lord, though your testing seems long. In darkness he gives a song. Little did Patch the Pirate Ron Hamilton know that in the end of his life, he would face the debilitating, degenerating effects of dementia. And uh, someone told me a week or so ago that, he, although he was receiving excellent care at home, that it just came to the point where, you know, if somebody's going to walk off and leave and you, you, you're going, and you can't trust they're going to stay, you've you got to do something to monitor them 24-7. Or they'll wander off who knows where. And apparently that must be somewhat the case might have been because they had found a need finally after caring for him in their home for quite an extended period of time to have him put in a place where he could be watched and contained when he was not right in his mind. Little did he know when he wrote this song, little did he know that he would face that too, that great trial and his process of death. So I want you to take your scripture song books, which I think are not scripture songbooks. We're singing books. It should be there. What number is it? Number 20. And sing this song. Notice the second verse. I could not see through the shadows ahead, so I looked at the cross of my Savior and said, I bowed to the will of the Master that day. Then peace came and tears fled away. That's another way of saying life is hard without Christ. If you don't know him, you need to come this morning and get yourself right with God through the shed blood of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. Young people, it's never too early. You're never too young. If you understand what I'm saying and you feel some kind of a burden to respond to what I'm saying, you need to come and let us help you know in a little more detail individually what it means to be saved and what the Bible says about that. Maybe there are others here who've wandered from the Lord. He's a wonderful shepherd. He takes care of his sheep. Father in heaven, go to us, nail it down, whatever it takes. Lord, that as we face death in old age, as we minister to those who are facing death in old age, as we're yet young and vital and old age hasn't come upon us, help us remember how important it is for us to fear God, put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and live according to His commandments, according to His directions. Lord, I pray that each one here today would examine themselves in regard to these two issues, and that before we leave this place, we'd be sure that we know Christ as our Savior and that we're committed through the power of the Holy Spirit and the shed blood of Christ to serve and live for him. In Jesus' name.